July 25th, 2018. It's a Wife for Pedro show. Well, it's a pleasure and an honor to have John Coltrane in front of our microphone here. And John, I gotta be abrupt with you. I gotta say like this, that uh, your playing has been turned antenna-like, unbeautiful, on just about everything you can think of. And uh, since the uh, playing mirrors the personality, I guess you have some some uh, personal thoughts of that kind to say. Uh, well, uh, let me follow you again. Uh, you said my plan has on what? I didn't say that. <laughs> I said the, what the critics said. Say, oh, well, they uh, seem to think that it's an angry sort of thing. Israel. Some of them do. I don't know about do the critics feel, here. Do you feel angry? No, I don't. Uh, I was talking to a fellow today, and I told him that uh, the reason I play so many... So many, uh, it sounds, maybe it sounds angry because I'm I'm trying so many things at one time, you see. Like, I, I, I haven't sorted them out. I have a whole bag of things that I'm trying to work through and get the one essential, you know. Uh, would, you say, just, would you say that you're trying to play everything you hear at well, one time or something like that? No, there, there are some set things that I know, some devices that I know, harmonic devices that I know that will uh, take me out of the ordinary path, you see, if I use these. But I haven't played them enough, and I'm not familiar with them enough yet, to take the one single line through them. So I play all of them, you know, trying to uh, acclimate my ear so I can hear, you know. In, uh, in the uh, album liners of your latest LP, that was the Giant Steps LP, which we have played quite a lot on this show, uh, you claim that you were trying to, to get, a, a, as I understood it, a, a more beautiful sound. Would I you hope to. with that? Well, I, I hope to play uh, not necessarily a more beautiful sound, though I, I would like to, uh, you know, just say tone-wise, I would like to be able to, to produce a more beautiful sound. But now I'm primarily interested in trying to work what I have, what I know, down into a more lyrical line. You know, that's what I mean by beautiful, by more lyrical, so to be, you know, easy, so easily understood. I'm sure our listeners are, as they are mainly collectors of Coltrane records, I'm sure they like to hear you uh, express one thought of, of uh, what you think is, is uh, listenable among your whole production. Oh, uh, you mean of the albums that yes. I've made? Uh, I, I like Blue Train uh, myself. I figured you I would. There's <laughs> such a good band on there, you know. That's a real, that's uh, a real uh, dangerous uh, album, man. The, and uh, the, it was a good recording. Mm -hmm. uh, How do you feel about this last uh, quartet recording here, the Giant Step? Thing? I think that was my best quartet recording so far. With the exception like of maybe Soul Train, I'd put them both about mm -hmm. the same. How would you say uh, working with Miles Davis has influenced you stylistically? Well, uh, it's, it has uh, led me into most of the things that I'm doing now, you know. Yes, I had a major stranglehold on you in that matter. I mean, he made you play the way you do, or you uh, you uh, got a chance uh, to play like well, you Well, I've do. been free. I've been so free here, you know, that uh, almost anything I want to try is 
I'm welcome to do it, you know. So that's uh, the freedom has helped me. I heard you were splitting experiment. the Miles Quintet here, and I'm trying something on your own. Yes, I am. How's that? With uh, whom? Uh, I have an, I have uh, several men in mind, but I haven't selected the side men yet. You know, I'm going to try with the quartet. Would you feel like working with uh, a, a quartet? Yeah, to begin with, and maybe in uh, several weeks after I start, I might add a fifth man. John, uh, which tenor plays do you think have influenced you, if any at all? All of them. <laughs> I would say all of them. But, uh, do you have a personal favorite, I mean, like you put on a record when you were at home and relaxing and so on? Well, Sonny Rollins, is, uh, I think he's outstanding tenor man today, you know, and... Uh, That is that's exactly usually. what Sonny Rollins told me on this show about you. So that's, that's usually, <laughs> you know, to my be man, a mutual you know. admiration society yeah, here. Well, he's, uh, he's, he's great. I mean, you know. Mm -hmm. And, of course, in the formative days, well, like years to, ago, it was Dexter Gordon that uh, mm -hmm. actually was a well, major. But you, you do have a strong feeling for tradition, haven't you? I guess so. I mean, I would like to even make it stronger. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to... Strengthen my roots, so to say, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, I didn't start at the beginning, and there's a whole lot back there that's, you know, that all young musicians should you, have. You uh, privately, I mean, when you're listening, you go back there, I mean, just just on your own account and listen. Well, I don't have many records in that era now, but I do plan to get them. I, I plan to include that in my repertoire, you know, all these old traditional things. You got them I've been trying recently to uh, search myself, you know, and try to find things that are uh, reminiscent that sound like those things. But I'm really going to do some work on that soon. Well, John, it seems like you're on with the Miles Davis oh. Quintet here, and, and thank you very much for taking the time and dropping in on this You're show. welcome. Thank you very much. Enjoy. for Pedro Show. Happy Wednesday, last Wednesday of July. Brother Matt's still overseas. Coming back soon, though. His big uh, Italy-Croatia trip. Uh, it's sweaty here. We're having a heat wave. I think it's maybe 80 degrees. <laughs> for Pedro, that's hot. Uh, started off the show with John Coltrane being interviewed by Carl Eric Lindgren. That was in... Uh, Europe, the last tour he did with Miles Davis, 1960. Then we had Tar Babies doing Be Humble. And I am not all man alone completely because of the, through the magic or whatever the fuck. Bucky Pope's joining me from Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome aboard, Bucky. Hey, yo. Oh, now you're real loud, so the voice changed. 
Um, no, I'll back up. <laughs> All right. Bucky, what's your earliest music memory? My earliest music memory would probably be in the family station wagon, listen to the association doing Windy. Oh, yeah, I remember that song. Well, I remember hearing John Herndon responding to that same question, and uh, I knew you asked it of him exactly what I would say. But, yeah. yeah. I ask everybody on the show that because that's kind of the beginning of their musical journey. Yeah, well, I was probably four, but uh, it all the music, the songs I liked anyway, I had a really powerful reaction to when I was a little guy. Now, now where was the car rolling around? Where? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh. That's where Ed from Ohio lives nowadays. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's taking care of his mother. Um uh, I like playing there, too. Uh, the Electric so, Banana. The Electric Banana, right. What's his name? Johnny and Judy. I left Pittsburgh when I was 14. So okay, came 14. To so in the house, I'm curious, uh, were your parents listeners, or did they make music, too? Not much. Uh, I I asked my mom a little while ago if she was listening to doo-wop and, and all that early uh she, you know, she would have been a young person. Well, she saw Elvis uh, in 56. She remembers that when Orlando had about, Orlando, Florida had about maybe 25,000 people there. Uh, but no. That's uh, before Disney like, World. Now, what yeah. I'm asking more uh, about is, did they make music themselves or were they just listeners? Uh no, neither were musicians, and I, I just don't think they were much listeners either. Oh, okay. We literally listen to music. Okay. Uh, so there's no instruments in the house? No, there wasn't even a stereo in the house. That's why I had to rely on the station wagon. Okay, what about at school? Was there any music at school? Uh, yeah, Miss Mabinade in uh, Herbert Hoover Elementary School. I enjoyed that class. I signed up for uh, general music going into seventh grade, and that's where I got my first uh, first guitar on my lap. Oh, they had guitars at the school? Yeah. That's they, bitching. Yeah, like 20, 20 seventh graders. First thing we learned was rest position. <laughs> they were acoustic guitars, I gather. Yeah, like uh, classical guitars, nylon yeah, string guitars. Nylon strings. So you're using fingers, no pick? Uh, yeah, we didn't have picks. Okay, you lose picks anyway. Well, you, can, you can lose fingers also, but a little bit harder. Can you remember the first record that you bought for yourself? Yes. The Suite featuring Little Willie. Oh, yeah. Little Willie really won't go home. So cause you're, about, you're five or six years older than me, I think. Uh-huh. And when I was coming up, I didn't care about how dorky that stuff was, you were already hip enough to know that you needed to, like, listen to Blue Oyster Call. But they were part of this thing called glam, and I was kind of into that. My first gig I went to with D. Boone was T-Rex, so it wasn't yeah. too far away. Well, sweet. We all know they actually put out some classics. Yeah. Uh, 
But I, actually, I like that too. That's one of my favorite ones by them. Better, I like it better than a ballroom blitz. So, yeah, it's so bizarre. Yeah, it's just so bizarre. To, you know, when I think of rock and roll, and I think of that song. But uh, that's okay. Uh, I remember seeing it at the record store the album. I'm, uh, it's a big, uh, vivid thing in my mind. Do you remember the first uh, gig you went to? Oh, shoot. Um, actually, the first um, arena show, and before that it was probably, like, Mr. Rogers was was uh, produced in Pittsburgh, and I think I saw Handyman Joe Negri live. Oh, man. But I think uh, it might have been the Beach Boys. Whoa. Beach Boys at the Civic Arena. How old were you? Uh, 11. Damn. So your parents took you? Uh, n- no, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, between between 1976 and 1979, I think I saw Rush twice. Um, uh, Sticks maybe once. Yeah, we were on our own. Okay. Not for 11 years old, though. I don't remember who took me. <laughs> okay. So you start playing guitar in the seventh grade. The first thing you learn is rest position. Yep. Did you, did yeah. You, did the guitars always stay at school, or did you get to take them home? They stayed at school, but I um, I think I got, I got an acoustic for my house pretty soon afterwards. There was a little click amongst uh, the students that were going to take it a little more seriously than everybody else. Yeah. I got an electric when I was uh, eighth grade, uh, I think. Hagstrom. Okay. Hagstrom. Did you get an amp? I got an amp. My first amp I paid for by, I was living in Miami with my uncle and I crawled around on top of people's uh, all the swimming pools and Coral Gables had screened in swimming pools and stuff, so I was repairman for the screens. Ah, to keep the mosquitoes out. And I bought myself a little Ampeg. Um, I don't know, it had a 10-inch speaker in it, a little combo. Yeah. Now, what were you doing? Were you, were you writing songs right off the bat, or were you trying to copy off records? Um... I think, well, I was actually invited to to join like a drummer and guitar player. Uh, th- that guy was was able to teach me how to play "Birthday" by the Beatles and some other tunes. I don't recall. So you like, kind of took lessons. That was in '79 in Miami, and uh, no, we were we were a band. We just we weren't going to perform anywhere. Oh, but that was my first. My first time locking in with other people and finding out what it was like being a band. You know? Okay, here I want to play uh, some Tar Babies, New Poor. Fuck! 
so long everything has been stripped away but things still happen hunger anger love sympathy it has all been a terrible mess have we reached calm water the doctors and nurses care I love my mom deeply 
Alzheimer's the Destroyer. 3,000 books always in the house. I guess where I'll be on that now. If only we could eat. I, I cannot wrestle with the Lord. I take my bed quietly. Daily vigils, 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. The day the end is open now. No one can tell me. I know without knowing. Hold no expectations to the experience. But we can love now. She's coming home. For Pedro Show, we heard uh, Tar Babies with the New Poor, then Sun Ra with the Call for All Demons. That's got on the, from the same record, Little Pyramids. I hear tone scientists are going to take on Little Pyramids in a couple weeks. Uh, oh, what's that? I, I know it for a fact. <laughs> yeah, and a Bucky Pump original. Uh, then we had uh, Alex Zhanghai. Hong Tai, sorry, with uh, This Ain't My Country, guided by voices, we won't apologize for the human race, the doers with art for money, Ishka Bibble with Stupid Dumb Fuck, Vermes de Limbo with Castorina, Stretch Woven, that's a new approach with Nels Klein and Scott Amadola, You and Me, Carla Boslitz with Drown to the Light, Joe Brewer from Madison, Wisconsin, Jack Brewer, Sacred Trust's cousin. She's coming home. And finally, Wasted Words from Tar Babies. So did this project Florida have a name? No. No, it was just a couple other eighth graders. Okay. And uh, they they actually dismissed me from the band as soon as they found somebody with a bigger amp. So you with got it. the boot. You got I mean, scissored. I had two outputs on my amp. And so the two guitars were both going out of my amp. Yeah. And uh, then they got John Serafoglu, I believe. That name just jumped back into my head. He was a better guitar player. He had a better amp. He didn't need three guitar players. Oh, man. Was somebody on bass? 
No, he didn't have bass player. Okay. That might have been an option, Bucky. No kidding, but, you know, <laughs> I had just spent my whole savings on this MPEG. Understood, understood. And was there a drummer? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just no Yeah, that's player. what I mean. Okay. I mean, uh, I had just been... So what happened to, what, what happened to you music-wise after that? You were, It was probably... It shattered you, right? Well, no, um, no, uh, I, I was, I was enjoying myself. I've actually been kicked out of bands that were more traumatic than that. But that was the very first one. Yeah, but, uh. So what happened after it, that? I mean, I was, I, I was only going to be living in Miami for, um, you know, I went down there for one school semester. I was heading back to Pittsburgh. Uh, actually, when I had that last summer I spent in Pittsburgh before I moved to Madison, yeah, I had a band with a another two guitar drums trio. We did the entire side of Twenty One Twelve by Rush. So you were into Rush, you know? I saw Rush. Yeah. If you're talking about the late seventies, I saw him then. My pool cleaner friend Tony took me. He loved them, and I fell asleep during the gig. And then I don't know, maybe thirty years after that. 28 years after that, I took Miss Peak. She was weighing them. And I fell asleep at that one. I, I felt almost 30 years apart. I fell asleep to the same band. I mean, they're great musicians. And, uh, what, and you know, you play in trios, everybody thinks you like Rush. Uh, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't so much about Rush, although at that, at that time in your life when you're just, you know, learning how to smoke weed for the first time or something it's they they kind of like nice companion piece for that but but i was i was actually learning how to pull riffs off of the records at that point you know which which is a lot of how i i learned how to play guitar was just putting the needle down trying to learn the solo picking the needle back up setting it back down again i'm a good mimic yeah, me and D. Boone learned that way too. Except I had eight tracks, so it was hard to pick up the fucking needle. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> you had to wait for it to come back around and click. Yeah, they were funky. Uh, so, okay, you leave Miami, you go back to Pittsburgh. Do you get in a band there? Well, yeah, that's what I said. That that was my uh, we Chuck Roman lived in this group home across the street from the school. They were all wards of the state. And he was a badass, but he had a also had a drum kit in his room, and he would play along with Deep Purple Records. Just brought it all down to the gymnasium, and me and Art Nelson, one of the dudes that I'm going to go visit when I'm out there visiting you, uh, he and I played Twenty One Twelve with Chuck Roman. Oh, so that's the band. The, the Rush band was in Pittsburgh. Okay, and, and then I moved to Madison. Yeah. In the fall of 79, I met Robin in 1980. Robin's and, first bass player of Tar Babies. Right. And we, we had a band called the Bloody Mattresses first. Opened up for Black Flag in the summer of 81. How, how did you meet Robin? Robin, uh, I saw a guy at the arcade with a skateboard. And I had been a skater in Pittsburgh. And I struck up a friendship with him. And he introduced me to Robin, and Robin had all the punk records. And uh, 
you know, that's how I met Robin. I met Robin. He was a roadie for Husker Du. Right. Yeah. And that's really not that much longer after after we're talking about okay. just a couple years. Yeah. So same ballpark almost. So Bloody Mattresses. What's the first gig? Uh, we played at a place that eventually Hooskers would play at, Sonic Youth, Minor Threat. Uh, it's called the Wilmar Center. The Wilmar, it's a pilgrim church is what it says outside. It's just a community center. Robin was really good at finding places to play. We were all underage for the most part. Robin might have been 18. And uh, that was my first time standing on a stage, I think. Now, what was the material? Original covers? Uh, actually, we did the entire first side of Group Sex by the Circle Jerks. Wow, yeah, I remember that when punk bands would cover punk bands. Well, we didn't, we didn't have, had not had much time to write our own tunes, but we, we had a few. Uh, you know, I became the principal songwriter, I suppose. I think that was, band was... Who was on drums, Bucky? Uh, Brad Scaife. He, when Bloody Mattresses split, Imminent Attack came out of one side, and Robin and I started the Tar Babies on the other side. And why did the band break up? Uh, Robin and I were sick of hitchhiking out to Mount Horeb. It's about 17 miles out of town where we rehearsed. Wow. You never knew if you had to be at school the next morning and you standing out on County PD for like an hour and a half. Yeah, that's uh, Yeah. Uh, so you guys get together, make the Tar Babies. What was the first Tar Babies gig? Uh, Rindell Park. Um, yeah. And, you know, Mike, you guys, so like when you were 17, 18 years old, was that, were you already doing Reactionaries? No. Reactionaries, we start at 19 years old. Okay. okay. So like... You can't blame me for doing flipper covers at my first gig because I really hadn't had time to develop as a songwriter. Yeah, well, the first batch of songs for Reactionaries I wrote, D. Boone wouldn't write any, and uh, they're terrible songs, so don't worry. <laughs> what was, uh, what was that, that that first Tar Baby gig like? Uh, you know, I, I, I do feel like I can see in my memory, like, what I saw. I know that gig, um, my friend Pat Spiegel was making out with this girl, Antoinette, and her dad showed up in the parking lot, and he gets out of the car, and Antoinette's back is to him. He's walking right up on Antoinette. She's smoking a cigarette while she's making out with Pat, and she just turns around, and he's about five feet away, and flicks her cigarette behind her and bounces off his chest. Wow. <laughs> Without even knowing. This is why you're there. playing. Uh, after. Oh, after. Okay. The story was related to me, but uh, it was that kind of a scene, you okay. know, uh, juveniles. Yeah, little kids. Uh, how did, well, 
Tom Layton. Yeah, Tom, he was not in my life at that time. That's That would be like 82. Okay. It's Tom Layton, people, uh, did all my Madison gigs all the way up to when he passed away. Beautiful man. I remember one time you were pretty cross with him because he over, oversold the club. <laughs> yeah, well... It was it was just showbiz. It was nothing about him personally because I love the guy. He is a showbiz guy, and he was a good friend of mine. I didn't have anything bad to say about yeah, him myself. I really dug yeah. him. Sometimes it's a Tuesday night, you know, and very late, and we called him character builders, so I might have said something weird. <laughs> I didn't mean to because I love the man very much. Uh, Tar Babies end up recording for SST. How'd that happen? Uh, we have made a couple EPs, uh, I think like 82, 83, and 85. So two, two years between the first two records. And then we, we, uh, we really, in a lot of ways, I hate to say we idolized, uh, the Minutemen, um, Black Flag, certainly the first time I was in a room with those guys. You got to speak into the microphone because you're getting cut off. Um, to in short, like uh, a lot of people, that first crop of SSD bands was, uh, you know, for me, like really set apart from the usual punk stuff. I don't know why, but just even the Meat Puppets seemed like it was just a more serious thing. People were more serious about making art. And so that that was... Uh, we, we could have put out a record on Homestead maybe a year before we before 87 when we put our first SST record. But we were just bound and determined to get on SST. Robin had been talking to Chuck Bukowski. Yeah, you know uh, Jay Maskus from Dinosaur he told me the same thing. His big Goal was to make an SST record, although he did make a Homestead one first. Yeah. Look, we're at the end of the first hour of the July 25, 2018 Dishawaf Pedro Show. Special guest, Bucky Pope. Hold tight for hour two. July 25, 2018 is the second hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
את הצרחה, אתם יורים עלינו מטומטמים. אפשר להרכיב ולהבין בכמה צורות. למשל, מטומטמים, עלינו אתם יורים? או מטומטמים יורים עלינו, אתם. או אתם מטומטמים, יורים עלינו. אבל הצורה המועדפת עליי היא זו. אימה ארוכה, מתמשכת, אינסופית.
watch the ticking clock Yeah, I'm so tired of running I feel my blood stop Expecting something from nothing Don't kill the messenger Don't want the blood on the money Best of him Best of her We felt the pressure was coming And we're born In L.A. Yeah, we're born In L.A. We're born in Hollywood We're born in Hollywood I hang myself to dry We're all product of condition Try. Yeah, who's got who in submission? Don't kill the messenger. Don't want no blood on the money. Best of him, the best of her. We felt the pressure was coming. And we're bored in LA. Yeah, we're bored.
Off for Pedro Show started the second hour off of Tar Babies doing Timer Tempo. Me and Bucky have an off line, off air chat about that and uh, common words between Spanish and Italian. Then Lucy Lee with Prince Instituto No with the guests of a hypnosis far to the south. The Scream, Hip Priest, Strip Mall Fantasy. Uh, the Souls and Bones with Easy Lose Board in L.A. Blues. And finally, Cold Cock Trio with Captain Fruity. So, you guys put out a record, Tar Babies, on SST, and then you go out touring. Those, that's your first touring, right? No, we, we, we were out. I mean, that's how we got on SST. We, we got a show at CBGB. It's Sonic Youth and Gone. Uh-huh. And Dinosaur Jr. was on the bill. Yeah. And... Uh, I then was able to push a copy of one of our EPs in Greg Ginn's hand. And what label? Uh, that was Robin's. It, it was Bone Air Records. That's right, Bone Air. And then Gone played in Madison uh, a month later, or a few weeks, and I went to IHOP with Greg, and he interviewed me. Why do you want to be on SSC? <laughs> I don't know, so we could be as cool as you guys. We we uh, actually went down to Austin to record our first record with Spot. Yeah, he had moved there by then. Yeah. Now he lives uh, in Sheboygan. I know. I know it's just because the way you say it, because you love that, saying that word gelatinous. I could just hear him <laughs> saying Sheboygan. Anyway, you record the first album with Spotsky in Austin. What was the studio? I don't remember... It just had a lot of uh, wood paneling okay. and the walls, I, I know. What time of year? It, so I was I was visiting a friend in Mexico. I was in Mexico for about a month that winter. And I bussed all the way from San Miguel de Allende up to Madison. We rehearsed for a, a week. And we drove right back down to Austin. How about that? Yeah. So it was <laughs> wintertime. It wasn't that sweaty. No, if that's if that was you're asking. No, it was spring. Yeah. There's a there's a window there where it's not so bad. Uh, it get, yeah, it gets sweaty there. Um, what was it like? So what was it like toured, being with Spot? Uh, because we made several records with Spot. I love that man. Who made several records? I know the Minutemen. Minutemen. Yeah. Yeah, he's such a, uh, I was going to say weird, but there's it's better adjectives used for, for Spot. Yeah, I'm uh, weirder than he is. Maybe. <laughs> I've had, but he's I've good, had he's little... good weird. You know what, his pop yeah. was one of the Tuskegee Airmen? No, I didn't know. He never told it. until, I didn't find that out until just recently. Yeah, he never talked about it. But I, I want to I... play something here, uh, Death of a Star. Okay. All right.
Bar control rolling, take one.
孤独却越来越少，是我的要求太多，还是失去的爱太少？走过多少路，就犯过多少的错？太阳东升又西落，人生就搿能介虚度。年纪是越来越多，胆子却越来越小。进来还没老早介好，高了也越来越少。经常问问我自家，乐意的人和夜到，老早最。单纯的我，现在哪里的困靠？
Watch for Pedro Show. Uh, yeah, Death of a Star from the Tar Babies. What's that song about? Death of a Star? Um, I think it's about like the whole scope of time from the primordial Earth right up to the time when our sun explodes. Ah, okay. It's our star. star. I don't usually write about like, uh, you know, astronomy and stuff. Like Stephen Hawkins kind of deep shit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, We had Chrome with the rain after that. Then Bernays Propaganda with Lebe Giri, 2016 mix. Disorder with LSR. Please throw my ashes under the sky from the top floor circus. They're out of Beijing. And finally, you're not going home by the bar tabbies. Bar tabbies. Well, that was a really clever play on words that uh, my friend Nina came, uh, spit out at one time. And I remembered it. And Robin and I used it for a, for a hobby band that we had for a few a couple years. Okay. Well, Robin leaves the Tar Babies, right? Yes. Yeah. And you get, a, well, you get me, another bass Let me back up a quick sec. Okay. Because this is sort of interesting. We recorded Fried Milk as a three-piece. That summer, we, we added a young saxophone player. The record came out in the summer. We went on tour for fried milk with Tony playing sax. And then after we got done with that tour and the record that we recorded with Tony came out, we lost Robin and the sax player. Right. So we needed to get Steve on it. it I, you know, that's the interesting part. We, we, were, we, we could never keep up with ourselves. And what was, you know, last chunk of music we started the second hour with had Colcock Trio. What was that? Uh, when the Tar Babies broke up, I moved to San Francisco and I um, started a band with an old Madison friend who was there playing uh, sort of a faux Hammond and an ele- a Wurlitzer and, uh, you know, a drummer and a bass player. It was a four-piece, what we call the Colcock Trio. I uh, I had a great great time with that band. It was a cool time in my life moving out to California. Um, but it's also harrowing. It's a real a lot of bad influences in that city. It's in the air. Yeah, kind of expensive to live there too. These Not days. so. I mean, these you know, I think at my three-bedroom flat, the first place I got was about fourteen hundred. It's probably about going for about six thousand now. <laughs> a flat, huh? Like in London? Yeah, it was a <laughs> nice. It was a nice apartment, but uh, no, I know because you know the Slavonly guys lived there in the uh, late eighties, and it was a lot more econo. I know, I know, it changed. Things changed. Um, yeah, it's changed. And you did nine years in San Francisco. Was that the only band you did there? Was Colcock Trio? Oh uh, yeah, I I I was not no actually I was in a band with this guy. His name was Smelly. He was from uh, Michigan, and he had a band called Plainfield. 
and that was him and this bass player. <laughs> I remember, was it Plainfield? The guys they put out an album and they used Jealous fucking artwork. Yes, <laughs> I was in that band at different times. The bassist and the singer were the core members, and uh, they had floating guitarists and uh, drummers. Yeah, people, listeners out there, these guys use somebody else's artwork for their fucking record. In fact, it was Jealous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for some reason, he wanted to antagonize Jello Biafra. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, he antagonized everybody. I One of the most fun, the funnest time I had on stage was opening up for this band but um, with Plainfield. I can't remember the band, but they were sort of militant. And uh, Smelly's whole stick was like, I'm from a trailer park, and I'm, I'm a wife beater, and I have deviant sex practices. And and we th- we had that crowd spitting on us, punching us, trying to t- – I felt like Sid Vicious. I mean, the Tar Babies never elicited that kind of a reaction. No, no. I remember there was a band from there called uh, – the city called Black Humor, and they would take – they would go to the thrift store, I guess, and get, like, old soul records, and they would paint over them. You could tell it was, you know, they put their name of their band on. But, I mean, Plainfield went and actually used <laughs> Pat's artwork. <laughs> I remember that now. <laughs> he I did it. Uh, Jello was antagonized, by the way. He didn't dig it. <laughs> but he didn't sue him or anything. No, like no, that. no. He was trying to bait him into doing it. It ain't like East Bay Ray. Right. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Anyway, it's ain't that important. Look, we, we reached the end of the second hour, July 25, 2018 edition. Wolf Peter Show, special guest, Bucky Pope, hold time for hour three. July 25th, 2018, it's the third hour of the Wolf Pedro Show.
not dope, you won't cop that you can't cope. Deep water closing off the lines of escape. Gather up the last bits of all you have and all your mess. Catch them in a great big fist and realize what you first missed. There was a lighthouse in the mist while you were out there scrounging hit. You shouldn't piss me off like this. We shouldn't have left off like this. I shouldn't have to clean this mess. Put yourself in your position. Tear down all your grim conditions. All the while the clock stops ticking. I've made my point. Come on, let's dig in. I've made my point. Come on, just give in. You win. You shouldn't piss me off like this. I will give you your recompense. I offer if you won't resist. I'll give you a good night kiss. I'll walk it off without a stitch and try to make the most of it. How did all end up like this? Mounting conflict in our midst. You'll soon be up to your old tricks. You shouldn't piss me off like this. Why should I have to clean this mess? Pedro Show started the third hour off with negative example doing coping with violence, SS Space Systems with uh, Binen, uh, Carol's Place from DMF, Midwestern Medicine with a uh, live version of Cut Your Legs Off, and finally Denied by Negative Example. Uh, on the air with me here, Bucky Pope from Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, negative Example. I mean, what, what ends up with the. Well, Tar Babies broke up, you went to the city, you played with the Colcock Trio and with the playing field. Uh, you, you, you leave, you come back to Madison. Yeah. Uh, you become when, a teacher. That's right. Yeah, I started school out there, and then I found out that the teaching license in California, was they, they didn't um, have reciprocity here. And I didn't want to be stuck in California, so I finished my 
Like, yeah, I hear a lot of there. people say that. I don't want to be stuck in California. <laughs> I want to be stuck in Wisconsin. <laughs> no, no, every place is righteous. So, but that's fucked that they weren't, you know, both my sisters are teachers, so I have a special place in my heart for teachers. And also, I think it's important because they're getting the next shift ready. <laughs> Talk about investing. Uh, so, but that's lame that they didn't have rep, uh, rep, reciprocity. Yeah, reciprocity. So you went back to school where? Uh, Badgers? Right. Yeah, I got a, got into the UW. Yeah. Uh, so I have a history BA, and then I went to a cheesy uh, teacher certification program. And I've been a substitute teacher since 06. I decided a little while ago that being a teacher teacher is just a little bit too demanding for my little old self. I don't want to. I don't want to have a job that I had to be thinking about twenty four seven, which good teachers are doing. Okay. So what you choose to do instead? Well, I, I, I work as a substitute teacher. I take attendance. Oh, okay. So more. Sheets, okay. Turn on videos. Sometimes I get, you know, if I'm working in a social studies classroom and I've taught the stuff, I get to rip, you okay. know, but. Uh, you know, it's an important job, but it's not a very demanding job. Not like if you, you had the same uh, class every day, yeah. Well, I think a, a regular person who was just thrust into that situation, going and standing up in front of 30 kids and convincing them to do anything uh, or, you know, not let anybody get hurt or, you know, not, not let conflicts escalate. Yep. That's what I do, crowd control, behavior management. Yeah. But I like I like working with kids. I like, uh, you know, it just makes my life rich. Uh, well, tell me so about a uh, negative example. No, I want to talk about being a teacher. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, so between moving back to Madison and say five years ago, I had not really been writing songs. And I'm, I had a friend who was a really great keyboard player. And I asked him if he would help me uh, make an album. I just wanted to make an album. I liked, you know, that being in a recording studio is about my favorite aspect of being a musician. So I just started cramming, trying to collect a a set of music and where'd initially the, we were where'd you get the name for the proj sorry where'd sorry? you get the name for the proj oh i was struggling with that and negative example was something that came up and we were gonna play a show and i hadn't i was i was thinking easy company at first like sergeant rock and easy company yeah but, but they're uh, already that's already taken the shambles want to do. There's a million of those already. What about negative approach, John? I know, like negative example sounds. There's a bunch of things that you know uh, have negative in the in the moniker, but the negative example. I think you are 
me, myself, I guess, looking back on my life, I might have been impacted by some of the harsher things that happened to me than rather than some of the some of the more uh, positive things that have happened to me. That makes sense. What, what was the first negative example gig like? Was it scary? Um, we were initially had no drummer. We just had an upright bass, piano, and I was just playing 12-string acoustic. We played in a coffee shop. Wow, uh, I I was happy as a clam. I was like back on back in the saddle. Okay, let's play Quipster.
Speedo Show, the last music for this edition. Quipster from Negative Example. And Orange from Soto. Uh, Molda Omen with uh, First Side Red Light. Live. That's a live piece. Oswald uh, Dovey and Andrea Rotin with Eyelids. Paranoid State with Shut the Door. And finally, Negative Example with Platitudes. So, you've, all, you've been in bands like, what? 30, 30 years of your life. Yeah, well, I think f- Fried Milk just had its 30-year anniversary. Yeah, so, so 35. Yeah. So, so what do you think you learned? What, what if somebody young, one of your kids in class, asked you for advice about this racket? I don't know. I'm not really in the racket. I just... Um, I, I, I use I, that. I use that just as. A, no, I know, but like to, to tell you what I think about the a, whole thing. It doesn't mean uh, just the big capital building on uh, Vine there. No, all I mean is uh, 
that I'm just a songwriter. I, I, I decided a, several years ago that I, I wanted to, if, with the rest of my life, become a... I, I want to become a magnificent guitar player, not just a good one. I want to be able to blow people away, you know, in just a couple seconds of picking up the guitar. That's a goal of mine. It's uh, a good goal. But I, and I would love to, you know, have a, a, a good local audience here. That's starting to happen. But the so what would I tell kids? Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean... My life partner here of 17 years thinks that she didn't like my guitar, like, like playing music. She thinks it's narcissistic. She thinks it's just, uh, I don't know. For for I don't think it's narcissistic. I think it's just uh, some people have a real sensitivity to music, and that that leads them. They there's a it's an itch you got to scratch, I suppose. And I'm a big Fan, I, I get high just listening to music, uh, things that I love. So, you know, you know I would. So, what would you tell that kid, Bucky? I'd say, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> That's okay. That's good advice. Do, do it for look, look, Bucky. You should be thing. able to give an opinion better than a lot of people because you put in your dues. Well, yeah, I just, I mean. Uh, I, it was just such a. I ask a lot of people this question, and you, okay, so don't. But Mike, I, I ain't trying Mike, to pick on you, Bucky. I don't want to sound like a, a sad sack. Okay, but we we've always had to, you know, I'm 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 I play in rooms of ten people more often than I have played in rooms full of uh, five hundred people, for sure. So. It's not like I get a, um, a lot of external props for anything I do with music. So, so you give a warning, like don't be counting on big props. But if you love it, do it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but hopefully, I mean, there's probably some people who say, like, man, I look good when I put grease in my hair and I put on a leather jacket, and I. I you know, I'm gonna move to Hollywood, and I'm you know I'm gonna be Axl Rose, <laughs> and and uh, those people, uh, yeah, maybe I just wasn't driven enough. But and also, like, what kind of music do you want to do? That's right. That's right. You want to do the music that you do. That's right. That's good. Good advice. And I'm I thank you for that. I also want to thank you for being on the show. Big honor for me because I've been a fan for so long. And in two weeks, people, I get to record Bucky, Brother Vince, and maybe Johnny, man. Uh, for Haven't sure, Tone from... Scientist is coming down, though. So Haven't I can't wait to show you yet. my Pedro town. You've never been to my town. So we're going to have a good no, time. I haven't. I okay. can't wait. Well, thank you for being on and sharing your journey through music. People, it's been the July 25, 2018 edition of. Watt Peter Show special guest Bucky Pope. Keep your powder dry.